we need to see the feed meal as a whole. In that way, we will be able to um, to manage everything together. You know, not, don't go like, mm-hmm. okay, for me, the pella meal is more important or the hamlet meals are more important because it's because everything works together. A whole new era of communication in the feed mill industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds in the global feed mill industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a feed mill, to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Eastman works with you to accelerate your nutrition program innovation. Ivonic Animal Nutrition, we are sciencing the global food challenge. Welcome to the Feed Science Podcast Show, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting-edge insights and all that's working in the global feed mill industry. Hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome to this episode of the Feed Science Podcast Show. I am one of the co-hosts, uh, Wilmer Pacheco, and I am joined by uh, Hector Pacheco. And um, how are you doing, Hector? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing good, Hector. And, uh, you know, for, for many of the, our viewers that don't know you and uh, don't know me, uh, we are brothers with Hector. And, um, you know, so I know you very well, Hector. But um, for those um, viewers that don't know you, could you please uh, share something about uh, your professional experience? Yes. So I started in the um, automotive industry when I was in Honduras. I worked uh, um, for eight years in the automotive industries in several positions in maintenance, um, quality assurance, sometime in production. And, and at the end, I uh, worked pretty good amount of time in uh, process engineering. And uh, then I um, had the opportunity to come to the United States and uh, work for Smithfield Foods. So I worked for Smithfield Foods uh, with a program that they have um, with um, management trainees. So I started as manager, manager trainee with them. And, um, and then I took the position of uh, supervisor, uh, female supervisor in night shift. And um, and then I work uh, as a maintenance manager for some time. And at the end of the of my career with uh, Smithfield, I took the position as feeding manager in the Lorimer Feed Mill. Um, I worked for Smithfield for nine years, and um, then I had the opportunity to um, to work with Mountaineer Farms in 2020, and I've been with uh, Mountaineer Farms uh, since that time. Eastman serves veterinarians and nutritionists in agrochemical and animal health industries by helping them select, evaluate, and implement innovative nutritional programs. Eastman works with your team to customize your gut health approach in feed and water. Eastman's approach addresses nutritional and bacterial challenges and finds new ingredient preservation and hygiene solutions. Explore ways to accelerate and innovate your programs. Contact the animal nutrition team at eastman.com. Excellent, Hector. And, uh, you know, um, since um, when you were in Honduras, uh, you did uh, your, um, you got your degree in, um, a, that was maintenance engineer, mechanical engineer, right? 
And uh, yeah. you know, something that I, I, I think that uh, it, it will be really interesting to discuss uh, with you will be, you know, what kind of considerations uh, feed meal managers should take uh, during preventive maintenance. Uh, what will be your advice for them? Yeah, so prevent, preventive maintenance is a very, very um, good topic in the, in the feed industry, you know, in the feed meals, uh, because I consider maintenance one of the main, um, one of the main activities that we as female managers have in the female. So um, preventive maintenance is very important. Uh, sometimes I have seen that um, we are kind of go to one side and say, okay, for me, the pellet mills is the best uh, or, or the most important equipment in the female, which really don't, you know, so we need to see the feed meal as a whole. In that way, we will be able to um, to manage everything together. You know, not, don't go like, mm -hmm. okay, for me, the pelamine is more important or the hamlemins are more important because it's, because everything works together. So um, it's very important as the smallest conveyor that you have in your feed mill up to the big equipment as hammer mills, pellet mills, or, or mixer. So, um, like for instance, uh, if we talk about uh, bucket elevators, for instance. Bucket elevators um, are very important. Why? Because um, if we don't give them the maintenance that they need, they can ca cause a, a lot of trouble. You know, you don't want a, a pellet uh, uh, elevator or any kind of elevators to catch fire in one of your bearings, you know. So you have to make sure you have all the safety devices, all everything that you need in that uh, pellet elevator or, in, or that um, mash elevator everywhere in, in, your, in your feed mill. So make sure all the safety uh, devices are working. I'm talking about Roblox talking about um, all your um, pros, you know, for your bearings, make sure they are getting pretty good communication with your uh, automated system. system. So um, like for buckets elevator, one thing that we check all the time is um, alignment. Make sure your belt is aligned. Make sure you test your Roblox, you know, if, if the belt goes to one side, make sure that belt will touch that um, that roadblock and will give you an alarm in your in your computer. Say, hey, you have a roadblock problem. You know your your um, your elevator is going to one side. So that kind of thing is very important. You know, make sure every at least every week you are you have to make sure you are greasing those bearings. Make sure um, the the thermometer or the probe is working properly. Something that I recommend all the time is make sure you set your parameters in your, your elevators. Because um, if you don't set your parameters, probably the, the automated system will give you an alarm when you have a high temperature in your elevators. So make, make sure you, you set your parameters, you know, and say, okay, if, if you want, for instance, for that, that um, Elevator give you an alarm when it's about 160 degrees and, and stop you when it's at 180, for instance. So that kind of stuff, you know, you have to make sure you, um, you work with your, your maintenance 
personnel to to make sure they understand that part. Um, make sure you check your your buckets every so often, and um, and even you know at least at least twice a month. Make sure your buckets you check your buckets, put any missing buckets, any buckets that are worn out. Make sure you check them out and change them as necessary. So that's that's for me is pretty good. Um, a very very important piece of equipment. And Hector, what about you know like uh, you know other pieces of equipment? Maybe you know like uh, when I when I go and see the feed mills, I see like you know uh, some some feed mills. They use a screw conveyors and drag chains. Um, you know what what kind of considerations do you need to to do when you are working with with those pieces of equipment? Yeah, like. Uh, for screw conveyors, uh, one of the things to check is uh, hanging bearings. You don't see the hanger bearings, but they are inside them, you know. So that's that's something that you have to keep in mind that you have to open that conveyor and check inside and make, make sure your hanger bearings are good. Um, another thing very important is your um, um, your gearboxes. Make sure your gearboxes gotta have enough enough uh, oil in them. Um, something that is very important to make sure you have breathers. Uh, sometimes we don't pay attention to that. Make sure the breather is working properly. And, um, and that helps you a lot with your uh, gearboxes as well. Um, if you are talking about a, um, a change, you know, a drag, make sure that that drag is, is very aligned, is, is correctly aligned. Uh, make sure you have, you don't have so much slack in that, and that, uh, than um, conveyor as well. So all that kind of stuff, uh, like sometimes if you have too much slack, you will hear it outside how that chain is, is hitting. So you you have a way to um, adjust that one and sometimes uh, you will have to cut some some parts to to make it go to the to to the tension that you need. So Stuff like that, uh, the paddles, for instance, in the drag conveyors, you know, check the paddles, make sure you don't have paddles that are bent or paddles that are worn that they are not pushing in, uh, enough material and then you will overload your, um, your uh, drag conveyor. So all that kind of considerations, uh, you know, make, uh, you will have to make sure you keep in mind uh, with that kind of equipment. Mm -hmm. And, and Hector, when when uh, when you see problems, you know, with the paddles in a in a drag conveyor, will that also be uh, an indication that you might have like an alignment problem in that in that um, in that change, or not necessarily? Sometimes the the, the alignment uh, you can look your paddles, and, and you can see if your paddles had um, the the length in one side is is bigger than the other one. You know that that side that is smaller is rubbing somewhere, so that that okay. can cause you um, that your drag conveyor not only get damage on your uh, your paddles, but in the walls of your um, drag conveyor as well. Okay, and you know another thing that uh, that I remember, um, I was also working, you know, in a in a in a Smithfield in the Loringbor feed mill, but when I was when I was there. Uh, they didn't have dryers, but I remember that um, when you were working there, there was a dryer in that feed mill, and I see like more feed mills that are um, 
getting dryers to take, you know, advantage when there is some local corn production and typically that corn might have like higher moisture and uh, some feed mills are um, using dryers. So uh, what, what kind of considerations uh, do we need to, to take when we are, you know, working with dryers, um, you know, in regarding to preventive maintenance? Yeah, with the dryers, at the beginning of the season, especially, you have to make sure your dryer is completely clean. So that's the, that's the first thing that you do at the beginning of the season. And even you can prepare that dryer one month ahead of, of your, your season. You know, try uh, test your, your high levels, try your low levels, um, make sure the, the conveyor under it. Some of them works with conveyors. Some of them works with uh, like sweepers. Make sure everything is working correctly. Make make trials and make make sure to that everything is is running properly. Uh, make sure your uh, burners are clean. That's a very important uh, mm-hmm. part of the of the dryer uh, because it's where where you start every the fire there. Basically, you have like it's it's like a big grill basically. So um, you have a lot of uh, small holes there that can 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 be stuck you know with uh with deep uh, small particles so you have to make sure everything is clean uh make sure your your spark plug is working properly because i have seen that uh at the beginning sometimes at the beginning of the season you start to uh, are trying to start that um that dryer and, and it's not coming on it's giving you f- uh, uh, flame failures every time so most of the time, it's just that you have to go up, go up there in that dryer, clean out your spark plug pretty good, clean out your area where where the um, where the gas coming in, you know, because you have you have the pilot first, so the pilot is the one that start first because um, you want to start uh, at a low pressure, so you don't have that much pressure in the pilot. So if if you don't have uh, clean area, the pilot probably will never ignite. So you have to make sure the, uh, all the area is clean. And once the pilot start, usually then you are good to go. And then you can start uh, your, um, your uh, main flame. So that kind of consideration is uh, to take, make sure uh, your automatic system is, is working good, your, your, um, that your conveyors are starting fine. Um, and, uh, and, and make sure you, you consider your temperatures to, that, that you are going to use. And a good practice that, that we've been doing and, 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 and I think is, is good. We've been working with our brain, um, personnel is, for instance, um, at the beginning of the season, you never know how the corn will come uh, or what kind of moisture you, you will have. So you can divide, uh, uh, your your moistures and your wet wet uh, beans. For instance, you can say, okay, if my limit of the of the moisture will be sixteen, so I can use one of those uh, beans or those silos that uh, where I have the the wet corn, for instance, and then I say, okay, I will use from sixteen to nineteen or to eighteen in this in this silo and then from 19 to 22 in this other one and then from 22 to 25, it depends on of how, how much moisture you want to receive as well. And then you can uh, more evenly dry your, your grain and, and uh, from, from, those, uh, from those silos. 
because if not, you will have a lot of fluctuation on your on your um, on your gas valve. You know, so if you are coming like from sixteen percent or seventeen percent, then you have another truck that came at twenty five. Then you will see a big change on your on your modulated valve in your in your uh, gas. So it's, it's more difficult to control it like that. So I, I, I recommend if you have enough beans or enough silos uh, to make that kind of division and you will have a, a better, better process when you are drying, you know, and, and when you are in during the season, you will see that you have a, a, a better, um, a better uh, drying process. You know, and then basically just stay uh, taking samples, make sure you're uh, you are drying like supposed to, and on the on, on the limit that you want. And um, I think the dryer is it's not that complicated, but if you don't take care of it, then you can have some issues during the season. And, and Hector, just just out of curiosity, um, uh, for how long do you can you typically store that uh, wet corn in a silo, or you know, like the storage time is also going to be dependent on the moisture content of the corn yeah yeah usually, right. <laughs> exactly and um usually those uh those silos have uh, fans so you can keep those fans running and most likely you will have to do it during the season but uh, when you are drying probably you'll be drying 24 7 if you have a lot okay. of a lot of um a lot of trucks coming so I recommend rotation of those of those silos. So if you are you are uh, pulling from silo number one and you have number two and three there, uh, pull from silo number one and then switch back to number two and and then number three and keep those silos moving because you don't want to have them just sit down there, you know, and and just pulling from number one for instance, but number two and three are sit down there and, and then you start having some degradation of your corn. You don't want that too, because when when they are when that that corn have a lot of moisture, then the temperature probably will start going up. So you don't want that neither. Mm-hmm. So I think being rotation when you are drying is is very important as well. Well, you know, another I I feel like another a really important um, component, you know, the, of of preventive maintenance is uh, boilers, and that's one of the components that I feel like we need to get. Uh, more knowledge um so what what considerations do we need to have you know when we are um doing maintenance of boilers boilers yeah boilers are very very important <laughs> when you have problems with boilers uh most likely you will be down so um annually usually when when you do when you open your boiler right there is where you will have to make sure you clean them out pretty good when you open them, you can see how 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 you how are you burning your um, your gas. Um, so you you can look and say, okay, yeah, my boiler is clean, or it have a lot of stuff in. And uh, when you open uh, the the water side, you you can check, okay, I'm doing pretty good work with uh, my my water. My water treatment is working, or it's not working. So I think right there is when you can do your best look of your of your uh boilers so make, make sure you have uh, a pretty a pretty good company doing your water treatment make sure they are doing the job make sure your conductivity your conductivity is, is right as uh, the recommendations um 
Something that is very important to do is blow downs on the, your boilers. And usually, it's recommended doing uh, day shift and night shift. In the mornings, I recommend doing in the mornings and at the beginning of night shift. Make your blow downs, make sure you you, you keep, keep up with them. Um, like the water, DA tanks. Make sure that your DA tanks are is, is working properly. Why? Because you don't want to send uh, cold water to your uh, boiler. So make sure the, the DA tank's working at the temperature that's supposed to. Typically, you will see a DA tank working at 220 degrees if it's working good. So you want to have your, your temperature up there, you know, about between 8 to 10 PSI in your, in your DA tank. So that's, that's very important. Uh, another thing that you will have to make sure in your boilers, make sure you check your safeties. Make sure you check your, uh, your highlight levels. If, if, if you have a high water, you should have an alarm and they will cut off your boiler. Or in the other way, if you had a low water alarm, uh, you had your water sensor makes, make sure it's working properly as well. Cause you don't want to run uh, with low water is, I think low water, to me, is the most dangerous situation that you can have in a boiler. So make sure your your low water um, is working is working properly, and and it will shut down your your boiler before something catastrophic can happen. You know, because uh, you you can make cause an explosion pretty quick in a, in a boiler if you run with the low water. So all that kind of considerations i think is it's very important when you are running with 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 the bowlers and uh, what 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 other you know you know considerations can you take um when you are working with other equipment maybe in the in the feed mill like um you know pellet mills um hammer mills maybe mixers what what other considerations do you think that are important there uh starting with the hammer mills hammer mills um very important to keep up with your hammers. Make sure your hammers are working properly. If you open your hammer mill and you look that your hammers are more worn in one side to another side, you can think about that. Probably you have an issue with your feeder. So check your feeders. Uh, I, I highly recommend that uh, check your feeders. Uh, usually you can see your feeder when you open your magnets. Same thing, you know, with the magnets. Make sure your magnets are working as opposed to they have enough uh, power to hold the 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 metal. Um, I recommend check your magnets at least once a once a day, at least. So if you can do it every shift, better. And that way, you don't have accumulation of uh, of metal in your magnets. So when you open your magnets, you can have access to your to your um, to your feeder, so make sure the bucket feeder is, is working properly. It's not worn, worn out because if you have uh, a bucket feeder uh, born, worn out, then you will have some bypassing corn. You don't want that. So, for instance, if you have your um, corn bypassing in your in your hammer mill, and for any reason you cut off that hammer mill, then you know will be able to start it up because. Um, it will be full of corn or full of wheat or anything, you know, especially if you are running with wheat. Wheat is smaller, <laughs> so we'll bypass it. And, and then you try to start a hammer mill, and then you put a lot of stress on your motor, and you know, we'll start. So 
that that mm-hmm. kind of stuff is very important to do with the hammer mills. Make sure your hammer your hammers are balanced. If you start seeing some kind of vibration in your hammer mill, probably you have to check your hammer and take in consideration to change them or do something, um, you know, to to fix that 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 issue and and check what yeah. is causing that that issue. Usually could be mo- most likely that a uh, piece of metal hit the the hit a um a hammer and that hammer uh got broken or or a small piece of it got broken then you just have you have that on, on balance in your in your hammer mills. With uh mixer for instance mixer usually mixer works pretty good but make sure you grease your bearings Make sure don't put too much grease on those bearings as well. Um, too much grease is as bad as no grease. So that's something that we have to make sure in any piece of equipment. Make sure you uh, grease as opposed to like the manufacturer recommends. Don't put too much because it's, just, it's as bad as not enough. Hey, Carol, I was going to ask you, when you say like a too much grease, uh, what are the, the negative effects of having too much grease? Okay, so when when you look uh, at your bearings, you know the, the, the bearings roll inside. So when when you put too much grease, one of the things that you will do first is you will damage your seals. So that grease at the end it will it will run out because you have you have too much pressure in it. And another thing is just you cause more pressure inside your bearing when you got more grease in it. So they. Um, they will have a lot of pressure inside, so it causes a lot of damage too. So, um, so the 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 first sign that you will see is that your uh, your seals are blown out, and then you put the grease there, and then it will run out quick. So um, that's why you don't want to put too much grease on your bearings. Yeah, I did. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So that's um, it's good to know. That's something that to 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 keep in mind when you are greasing. Um, okay. Another thing with the with the mixer, you know, you have a lot of usually five, six liquids going to your mixer. Check your your nozzles. Make sure the nozzles are clean because you want an even distribution of your liquids in the mixer, and and then you will have a better better mixture of your ingredients in the in the mixer. Because if you have like uh, at the end of uh, of your uh, pipes going to the to the mixer, those are plugged. Then you only will be applying at the beginning, so it will take more time for that mixer to to mix those uh, the, those liquids in uh, with the with the with the dry ingredients. So it's uh, it's something very important to to keep in mind. For instance, if you have um, um, cylinders. On your uh, on your mixer for for the gates, you know, make sure the gates are, are closing closing fine. Make sure the gla- the the um, the gates are doesn't have a gap. If if one gate got a gap, then you will have leaks. So that field mm-hmm. will start leaking down, and and you know, we'll mix it as supposed to. Then. Um, you do your uh, mixer profiles, you will see that you don't have a pretty good number. So uh, that's that's something to keep in consideration too. Uh, if you open your mixer, uh, check your your ribbons. Make sure your ribbons are clean because that will help you to make a better mixture. 
and and, and you will see that you keep up with that kind uh, um, of inspections, and you do a a mixer profile, it will be good. So that's the, at the end. That's the that's the idea to have a very uniform mixture in your in your mixer. Yeah, and Hector, when when you are talking about like the gates, uh, you can also adjust the opening and close sensors too, right? Um, um, how often do you need to check, you know, those those sensors? I think uh, at least I recommend at least every two weeks. Um, okay. But if you do it, can do it every week. It's the same, and you you will see if if your um, if your if your mixer is closing right or no um because if they are not right you will hear those those um uh those doors slam you know and and okay. or um the sometimes you will see that effect on your pellet mills usually you want to have your pellet mills a, a, a straight line when you are running no so much variations so what happened if you have like ups and downs in your in your graph in the pellet in the pelleting process? Probably you have an issue in your your mixer because it's not uniform. You want that pellet mill to be run as smooth as possible. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, you that's that's something that you have to have in consideration too. Uh, and, and Hector, uh, when when you when you're talking about like you know like looking at the um, Variation in the mixer too, and uh, not in the pellet mill motor. Uh, is that variation? Uh, could that variation be due to, uh, you know, no uniform um, feeding from the conditioner into the pellet mill as well? Yeah, that 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 could be another issue. Yeah, um, the conditioner. That's that's something that you have to keep an eye on it too. Make sure you have mm -hmm. enough retention. If you don't have enough retention, uh, you uh, you know will have you know a good mixture between your stem and and your and your match feed. So if you if you right there is, is the is the where you mix basically everything and and uh, yeah. your your match with your stem. And 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 uh, um, uh, how often do you typically check you know like the feed distribution inside the conditioner? Is that like something that you can do like once a month and uh, it will be very uniform thereafter or, or how often needs to be checked? Yeah, I think you, you can do it once a month. Best thing that you can do uh, to check your, the distribution in, in your in your uh, conditioner is if you are running full capacity, your your conditioners, and you just uh, dump your um, the, the front of your uh, pellet mill um, mm -hmm. So you, just, you just bypass just bypass the pellet mill, basically. Exactly, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So the we named it chute. So you you uh -huh. dump it, okay? Everything behind it, it will stop. So then you can go ahead and open your uh, your conditioners and see inside how they are. If you see that you don't have re don't have retention, then you have an issue there. So okay. and. Then you can see, okay, yeah, I can start modifying paddles and make sure I have enough retention. And or mm -hmm. you can have the the and the other side too. If you have too much retention, then you have uh, a high uh, load on your on your motor in the motor and your your conditioner. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then you will start struggling with that. You have conditioners overload, so you don't want that neither. So is 
it's, it's that kind of balance that you have to make sure you have in, the, in your conditions. So basically, Hector, uh, you, you, you do bypass of the pellet mill, you open the chutes, and then you weigh the amount of material that fell through. Uh, do you have to weigh that, uh, that, that amount of material to, to calculate more or less how many pounds are, are in the conditioner at the same time? Uh, no, not really. Um, you can, uh, one of the things that you can do, for instance, is if you want to see your retention, is stop your feeder and then count, you know, and see how much time is going until you don't have nothing in your, at, at the end of your, uh, of your conditioner or your second conditioner mm -hmm. if you have to. So basically, you just stop the feeder and then you just wait until the, pellet mill gets to the idle arms and then you count that time as the retention time in the conditioner. Yeah, you, you can do it in that time. Okay. And that, that way, or if you got have your pellet mill open, you can do it like that too. And then when once nothing is coming mm -hmm. out, then you say, okay, yeah, I, that's, that's my time. There, there are different okay. times, uh, different ways to do it. Okay. And, uh, you know, what What about like um, in the pelleting system, uh, what, what considerations do you think that are important? Uh, regarding, you know, like preventive maintenance. Yeah. Um, one of the things is make sure you're, you have enough oil in, in your gearbox in the pellet mill. Uh, you have your, uh, your level there. Make sure you are checking that level every, every day. If for any reason you start seeing that your level is going down, that, that oil is going somewhere. So you have to start looking at your seals, make sure your seals are fine and start thinking about changing them. Dyes, for instance, you know, very good preventive uh, uh, maintenance for the dyes is punch those dyes. Because even though you have minus, some of that metal will bypass it. Or is if it's not magnetic, for sure it will will mm -hmm. bypass your your magnets. So I recommend to do it like when every time that you are down. Get somebody and, and punch those dice. You will increase the life of your, of your um, dice, and also you will keep your productivity. Why? Because every time that you have a hole closed, it's, it's, it's production that, that you are decreasing or you are decreasing mm -hmm. the life of your, um, your dice. Make sure you uh, do a pretty good adjustment on between your rollers and dice. Don't tie them all that much. Because you will roll them out and you will damage them quick. So you want your uh, your dice to have a long, long, long life. So you you want to make sure you take care of them. Um, another thing, like like with with the pellet mills, that that you can do too, and I think that's very important too, is make sure that what the pellet mill, how many amps your pellet mill is running, is what. It's what your your automated system is, is saying, is telling to you that it's running. I have seen sometimes okay. that um, the pellet is telling to running uh, it's running 400 amps, for instance. But if you go to your um, and, and take that measurement in your in your um, um, in your lines, it's different. So you have to. That's another thing that you can do is make sure your calibration factors are right. You know, and that's for any equipment mm -hmm. that you have because could be that that pellet mill is running harder than it's supposed to or is running mm -hmm. 
uh, lighter than supposed to. So you you mm -hmm. want your pellet mill run at the optimum capacity or at the real uh, capacity that you have. So um, that's something that you have to do. And anything that got a CT that is is uh, um, checking your your amps or your motor load, I recommend to check. Make sure your um, your calibration factor is right and your automated system. That way, it will give you the correct amount um, or what you are running, really. Excellent. Well, you know, like uh, another, um, another, and um, before before we are closing up, you know, like with this session, uh, there is another equipment that I would like to maybe you could get your advice on, and uh, that would be coolers, right? Which is you know like the the, the next equipment after the, the the pellet mill. What what considerations are important in, in cooling? Cooling. Um... Main thing with your coolers, make sure your bed levels are are good. You know, make sure you are not um, getting your feet to one side or to the other side. Make sure your your feet levels are are like at the same. In that way, the distribution of the air through your beds will be will be optimal. So you don't want to have uneven bed levels because the air will go through the less uh, resistant spot. So um, mm -hmm. you will be drying and cooling more your thin level than where you have um, more feet. So you will have a lot of issues if you do that. You have a lot of uh, issues in your efficiency feed beings, uh, more moisture in your feet. So that's, that's something very important to do. And also, Make sure you 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 lubricate your rollers because um, you have a lot of rollers and your and your um, and your coolers. So make sure you lubricate them because if not, they know will roll and basically they just they just will slide on your guides. And when you come and check them out, you will see that they are completely worn out. So um, that's. That's a pretty uh, important task to do. Um, make sure your fans are working properly. Make sure the fans are are, um, uh, are not vibrating. Probably if a fan is in your cooler from you, for your cooler is vibrating, because probably one of the things or 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 you got some damage in the in the fan or got feed on the blade. So that's something that you have to make sure. You keep up with um, and uh, cyclones, for instance. Make sure your cyclones are clean, especially during the during the winter time, because during the mm -hmm. winter time you will have um, more moisture in the in the coolers. And uh, make sure you keep up with your with your um, with your cyclones. Keep them clean as well. And uh, like Excellent. if you have an arm, arm, for instance, that's a, that's another thing. Your uh, oscillating arms. Make sure they are working good. Make sure you you um, grease them, and uh, and you don't have any worn parts in them. Excellent. Well, you know, I, I feel like I could um I could speak with you for hours. You know about like the different topics in in the in the in the feed milling, but something that I would like to to know too, Hector, is um. Uh, um, in 2022, uh, your facility was awarded the Integrator Fleet Facility of the Year. 
And I would like to know more like how does that application uh, works? Maybe if you can uh, share with us how does the application work for the um, integrated feed facility of the year? Well, last, last year we applied again. We don't have the results yet, but um, I saw that they put a little more uh, questions there. So right now, last time that I checked was 182 questions. Some of them, they are uh, most uh, selection, multiple selections. Um, <laughs> but uh, like production, for instance, they ask you about your productions for the last three years. So that's mm-hmm. a lot of information that you will have to recall and, and have it ready uh, when you fill out your, uh, your application. Um, they ask you about a lot about safety as well. So some of those questions, you can go to your uh, safety manager and ask him those questions, and, and he will play a pretty good uh, role in that, that kind of the question. So you, you, I recommend the field managers to, to go to different departments because they will they, they will help you a lot with that. It's a lot of it's a lot of information, but if you take your time and um, and do it and um, with with enough time, uh, at the end it's it's a pretty good experience because you can see how you are running, how you, how you are uh, mm-hmm. how your female is performing, um, and you can have a history of how you you are doing it during the years as well. So they they usually require three years of history. Of of, uh, um, of what you are uh, doing in your, your female uh, safety is a very important one. Um, production, um, for instance, energy usage. That's something that mm-hmm. um, that they they ask you a lot. How much diesel you use during during those three years? How much um, gas, natural gas you use? How much? Uh, LPG gas if you use how much power so all that kind of information you have to go back to your um, to your computer and track it and, and have it ready so I recommend uh, anybody that want to apply to print those questions and you start filling them out because you, know, you will have to mm-hmm. you, you can see how how they are um, um, in the in the application, and you can start filling them up because some mm-hmm. of that information will be a lot. So you have to have it ready, um, and then, then mm-hmm. once you print it, you answer all your questions in your per- in your paper. Then you can go to the electronic application and basically fill up everything that they are asking in that application. It's time for our famous three. Ivonic Animal Nutrition is committed to ensure food security and safety while reducing the ecological footprint of animal farming. Its products and services use evidence-based solutions that seek to promote animal welfare and reduce reliance on natural resources. All this is underpinned by long-standing industry partnerships and deep customer understanding. Ivonic's focus on efficiency, sustainable, healthy nutrition, and collaborations with livestock farming partners creates value for customers and consumers. That's a really good idea, uh, idea, Hector. And um, just just to finish up with uh, with this uh, podcast, I would like to know more like uh, what sources do you typically use to keep up with the new information or uh, new technologies in the in the feed industry? I I usually go to the manuals manuals for your from from 
from your, your machines or from your pieces of equipment, they are very important. So you, anytime that you have any doubts and that you need any parts, they are there. So um, you, you go to your manuals. You can have your manuals printed or you can have them electronically. And sometimes I prefer more electronically because you can see more details and, and the blueprints especially. But if you have them printed, uh, that's, that's a pretty good resource. Um, another thing is you can go to, to your vendor for, for those equipment and you can ask them, if you have any questions, I have pretty good experience with my vendor. So I haven't, if I need help, I just call them or send them an email. I need this part or, um, or I need this information. I have, I have pretty good luck, uh, with, with my vendors to bring, uh, give me that information. Internet is pretty good uh, place to to find out too. Usually, you can find information in internet too. So that's yeah, that, that's really good. Yeah. So it's it's good to have like uh, that uh, good communication and that good uh, relationship with the with the vendors, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Hector, I would like to thank you for for your time and uh, for this uh, for the for participating in uh, in this uh, podcast. And I am sure that um, a lot of people is going to find it really interesting. And uh, I, I learned a lot today. And I, I hope, you know, like the, the people that watch the podcast, I'm sure that they are going to learn a lot as well. So thank you very much, Hector. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Have a, have a good night. You too. Thank you. Looking to elevate your brand and captivate audiences through the power of podcasting? Look no further. Introducing the custom podcast brought to you by Wisemetics, where we take care of the behind the scenes so that you can focus on what truly matters. Podcasting has become an invaluable tool for brand awareness, but let's face it, putting it into practice can be a daunting task. It's incredibly time consuming and requires technical know-how, but don't worry, we've got you covered. With our experienced team at The Help, we'll handle the operational aspects so you can channel your energy into what your company does best. Are you ready to unleash the podcasting potential of your company? Schedule a call with one of our specialists today at the link in the bottom of this episode. You'll also receive a free podcast strategy consult tailored to the unique needs and goals of your business.